Hello, and welcome to the Buying and Selling Businesses Show. I'm Phil Jepson. Today, I've got a special guest joining me. I want to introduce you to Guy Bartlett. Two more areas that I just want to cover with you. Yeah. Um, the first is the whole area of, of this as an investment. Mm-hmm. Not, not just for you or me as the, as the would-be owner, but yeah. potentially for someone else who's got money to invest mm. alongside us in a deal. Yeah. So if you think about the UK and the US markets, actually, um, real estate has been the go-to yeah. for individuals who've got some cash, yes. don't want to put it in the bank and watch it go backwards, mm-hmm. and, and want to use that money to make money. So it's always been real estate, and I know a lot of people, so do you, who, who, for whom that is, that's where they invest their money. But anyone who knows anything about buying businesses knows that this is a better place to put your money. Mm-hmm. So let's just talk about that for a moment and, and about how you see, if you were talking to someone who's got a million pounds yeah. in the bank, yeah wanting to use it and thinking about where should I deploy that money? So how does this stack up against real estate? That's a great question. So I think there's a, I want to unpick that as a few interesting things to, to think about. First of all, um, I always go back to leverage and, uh, and risk mitigation. So core principles of any investing platform um, is think about diversification and, and mitigation. So you wouldn't generally, or it's not considered wise to invest in one particular asset class. Um, so over here, we've got say stocks and shares. Um, and most people invest in stocks and shares via a third party, via a professional uh, market advisor, if you like, a broker or, or similar. But it's, it's, a kinda, it's an arm's length transaction. We rely on that third party to, to make that money grow for us. And we recognise that there are different risk factors. You know, which part, of, what type of stock are we going to invest in? You know, the, the more reliable the stock, the lower the, the return, and so on. So we get that idea of risk and risk and reward. Then, if you think about pensions, so traditionally the pension market has been again an arm's length transaction. You know, we put our money into a fund or a pension manager and rely on the professional manager to to give us a return. And again, generally speaking that portfolio will be measured against risk and risk and reward. So we've got those kind of arm's length managed processes. Property, um, there's so many different elements to property. That, you know, you can, you can be a buy-to-let landlord, you, you could get into resi, you could get into commercial, you could do it arm's length, you could be a JV partner. There's lots of ways in which you can deploy your money. And again, manage that risk mitigation. A good friend of mine, Simon, runs Crowd Property. You know, that's a peer-to-peer network, so you can go, right, I can manage what I put my money into. Um, Rob Wilkinson runs another one and so on. So you can go, right, I've got a lump of cash. I can manage that return, and the percentage I'm going to get back on my money is a reflection of my appetite for risk. So there's a number of steps you can do with your million quid and and decide how you're going to get a return on it. But if you look at business, which is, for me, is a massively overlooked asset class, the, the major difference is returns. So I had a conversation not long ago about property and the, it was along the lines of, there's only so much you can do with, a, with property, property portfolio. Um, you can improve it, you can put some cash into it, but its yield and its performance is 
largely dictated by outside influences. So if it's commercial property, the quality of the, of the lease, length of the lease, the, 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 the quality of, of the tenant, uh, and to some extent market sentiment as well. And also industry, the economy, appetite for people to rent your, your premises. Um, and to a large extent, Resi suffers the same thing. So there's a finite growth you can achieve with that asset. With a business, if you get it right, growth is infinite. You can just keep on scaling, growing, scaling, growing those businesses. So the volume of profit that the business is capable of generating, largely speaking, is infinite. Uh, if, if you have the right processes, once you've bought the company, to do something with it. So first of all, what are you going to buy? Is it viable? Does it have, as we talked about, does it have that long-term forecastable revenue stream? I call them bog roll companies. Everyone needs bog roll every day. So buy stuff that's repeatable and everyone needs. So, but then if you look at the fundamentals, you know, what's the market opportunity that business sits in and how could you grow it? So it's, a, it's an overlooked. And, and there are complexities in buying and running companies. We know that. But in comparison to other asset classes, the potential is huge. And in terms of the market scope, it's even bigger because the number of baby boomers um, that are in the marketplace now that, unless they close, need to sell, it's almost an evergreen process, the, the volume of people coming through. But the demographics in the Western world, particularly in the UK, are very much in our favor as business buyers because there's this bulge of older people, and that's going to continue for the next decade. Yep. So now is a fantastic time, if you get all your ducks in a row, to invest in that asset class. I'm not saying put all your money into it. wouldn't recommend that. I'm a big fan of Brad Sugars, uh, Action Coach International, and he often talks about make your money in business and then uh, invest in property, as opposed to the other way around. So how can you do that? Well, some of the things that often get overlooked, let's say you've got a million quid sloshing around, rather than invest that money into a retail pension where it's an arm's length transaction and the reality is we know that pensions are not performing particularly, particularly well um, and that's going to get harder and harder because of the markets, because of the global economy for those professional fund managers to achieve the returns that people aspire to. Anyone's got to get a pension statement to go, when I retire, it's going to pay, pay me how much? So options around, for example, using a SaaS pension. So if you're a business owner and you don't have a SaaS pension, you need to do that without a shadow of a doubt. Because SaaS pension allows you then to control the investment opportunity, to put that money into various assets, not just property, but you can use that to buy businesses, to buy back into your business, to make loans. It's an incredibly flexible, tax-efficient, UK-approved process to make your money work harder, back to the whole principle of leverage. So any business owner watching this doesn't have a SaaS pension, go and get one. Because you can reduce your corporation tax bill significantly with the money that you can put into, into that pension and reinvest it more under your control than an arm's length transaction from traditional pensions. Yeah. So those are the sorts of things that are, I believe uh, merit investigation. Um, you know, people watching this or in business or whether they're thinking of buying or selling, those are the sorts of things that they should be alert to. Okay. And just building on the, the discussion about <clears throat> investing in businesses as against real estate, 
One of the sayings about real estate is that you make your money when you buy, not when you sell. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that's, that is because of the reasons you've talked about with real estate, is that there's, there's not a huge amount of things you can change once you've got it. Mm -hmm. So if you don't buy it at the right price, you're never going to make a lot of money on it. Yeah. Whereas with businesses, obviously, there is more upside, there's more potential, there's more things you can do, you've got more levers. Yeah. But um, I, I just wanted to finish by actually talking about those levers. Um, my experience so far, and it's obviously nowhere near as great as yours, is that you spend a lot of time, effort, focus on the process of buying. Mm. Yeah. But actually, as soon as you've done a deal, you realize that that's not the most important bit. <laughs> Because actually that's not job done. That's just getting you to the start line and it's all about what you do yeah. from then on. So I just want to talk about the importance, the importance of that, because I know it's something that is, is a big thing for you. It, it, yeah, it, it's, um, <laughs> well, you've been through it. So you know that kind of moment of euphoria is almost immediately followed by the OSH1T moment. Uh, okay, now it's me. All, you know, all eyes are on me and I've got to, I've got to step up and make this work really. So um, we can all do business plans and forecasts you know, until they're coming out of, out of our ears and nobody ever produced a forecast that looked bad. <laughs> Every forecast under the sun always looks like that's going to be great. But you know, man plans and God laughs. So um, you know, I've, I've never yet produced a business plan that, that matches the reality. Uh, come pretty close, thankfully. but never quite the reality and we, and we have exceeded business plans as well. Um, so what are the things, so um, simple things for me, uh, planning before the event, what am I gonna do in the first 90 days once I've done this deal? What are the key things that I need to look at? And much of that should come out in due diligence. Um, you know, asking questions early on with the seller around what's the sales process, what's the, well, what's the marketing process, how do they generate leads, how do they communicate with the marketplace. You know, vast majority Often of the people. the answer is we don't. Correct. The vast majority of businesses that have been in business for a long time stay in business because they've built a relationship with a given customer base. And human beings are innately lazy on both sides of the fence. Customers just want to deal with someone that delivers time and time again, because it makes their life easy. And for us, we just want to deal with clients that we get to know, we've got a good relationship with, and they pay their bills. And so you reach a level of comfort, if you like, in, in that business. But we as the acquirer want to, to some degree, stir that up. We want to get it going and, and grow it. So questions then arise around, well, what's your marketing process? And I famously had a conversation where one of my partners did where, uh, well, we just pick up the phone. Uh, come again? What, what do you mean? You know, this is a good, profitable company. Yeah, yeah, we just answer the phone. So there's, uh, we tried marketing once, but it didn't really work. It's just like, <laughs> okay. So that's really common. Uh, so to some extent, that's low-hanging fruit for us coming in. It's like, okay, put in a, a marketing campaign, a, a lead generation process, and all things being equal, we're going to create opportunity. Then there's the sales process. Marketing is just the beginning of that. What is the process to convert leads into, a, into an order, essentially? And again, you've seen it. Very few companies have any kind of process, sales process. Oh, 
you know, the boss deals with the inquiries or Fred deals with it or, but there's no rigor, there's no analysis, there's no quantification of, of numbers and trends and so on. So most businesses operate on the operations bit. They focus on, we're good at what we do, we do it time and time again, we've got a rhythm, we've got a customer base and that's basically how we make our money. And then the F bit, the finance bit, is kind of turning that into cash at the bank, really. And, and so the first two components, marketing and sales, often are just completely overlooked. So that, for me, is low-hanging fruit. And if you, if you clear on that and you do diligence and you plan what to do in that first 90 days, you can start to have quite an impact. Simple things like, when's the last time you put your price up? How many conversations have you had? Oh, no, well, we don't want to upset the customer, you know? Yeah. But if you, if you understand numbers, if you change a gross margin by a factor of 3% and everything else stays the same, the impact on cash at banks is huge. But nobody ever does those maths. Nobody ever thinks about that. And very few customers are going to argue about a 3% price rise, in truth. Yes. So simple things like that that you can just deploy straight away. Again, debtor days, you know, who measure, measures the impact on debtor days? So if you've got customers who, you know, ostensibly sign up to 30-day payment terms but pay you on 60, you bring those debtor days down, again, the impact on cash is significant. And if you, you know, a lot of business owners take huge pride in paying their suppliers almost immediately, yeah, which the suppliers are happy about, but they don't get a discount for doing that. They just pay them because it feels like the right thing to do. <laughs> Fine, but if, you, if you're going to have fast payment terms, get a discount. If you're not, then push the payment terms out. You know, you'll soon find a happy balance where they'll squeal. And if you find that, then it's all about cash management. And the things, the simple things that you can do to improve the cash performance of the business gives you then flexibility to reinvest and grow that business. And most business owners, frankly, don't bother because they're all right. And, and that's fine. There's nothing wrong with it. I'm not being critical of that at all. But why would they? Because they're in the comfort zone. But for us as a buyer, these are the things that with a little bit of rigor and a little bit of effort can have a massive impact on the business after the deal's done. And then you can invest in the things that the business owner often doesn't. Simple things. Say to the guys coming in, what will make your life better? And they go, mm, could I have two screens for my computer? Yeah, I mean, what's a screen? 100 quid? 150 quid? Most business owners would never invest in a second screen for their staff because they've got a cost-conscious mindset, not an investment mindset, you know? Real simple things like that. Um, most people, when there's a transition in ownership, they're fearful of what's coming next. And if, you know, we use the term evolution, not revolution. So if you say to people, what would, what would make life better for you from day one, and you start to improve that, they go, well, this is all right. Nothing to fear here. You know, everything stayed the same, and it's just got better. You know, that's... It. And every business is about its people. You just bought a manufacturing business, yeah? It's not about the machines. It's about the guy that runs the machine. How does he feel? How does he feel when he gets up in the morning? Does he look forward to going to work? Is he excited or is it like, same old, same old? He feels happier when you fix his machine, actually. Exactly. <laughs> My two screens it's, analysis, yeah? Yeah, no, it's yeah. the same thing. Like, give me the tools, I'll do the job. I'm struggling yeah. on yeah. with this crappy yeah. old machine that yeah. no one's ever bothered to fix for the last umpteen years. Phil comes yeah. along and goes, right, let's get that fixed. And he's like, wow, 
Now my job's yeah. easier. I enjoy it more, you know? And yeah. it's, it's that human component yeah. that's so often. People want yeah. to do a good job. I, I, I'm a huge believer in, in, in the human condition and I really fundamentally believe most people don't get up in the morning thinking, how can I have a shit day? Most people get up in the morning thinking, oh, I'd like today to be a good day, yeah. you know? And if we as business owners can foster that environment for them to do that, we'll reap the rewards yeah. on, on a mutual basis. Yeah. They'll have Absolutely. more fun, we'll have more yeah. fun. Absolutely, it's not a zero-sum game. No. So, thanks very much. Today has been a good day. I want to say thank you very much to Guy for joining me. This has been the Buying and Selling Businesses Show.